Right to be read podcast, episode number ninety-eight. Interview with Tucker Max. Hey, authors! Wish you could just write books and forget about all this marketing and coordinating with freelancers and formatting and proofreading and stuff. You're not alone. It's every artist's dream to just be able to create art while turning over the whole business and marketing side to someone who really loves and is really great at doing just that. If you're ready to start treating your writing like a business and get an experienced publishing and marketing team behind your words, pay a visit to Archangel Inc. Archangel Inc. does absolutely everything needed to take a manuscript and turn it into a finished product, ready to sell in all markets and multiple formats, from cover design to audiobook and everything in between. And as an Archangel Inc. client, you'll be able to promote your book through Buck Books, the world's fastest-growing book promotion website, at no extra charge. To find out more, go to www.archangelinc.com. That's archangelinc.com. You are listening to the Right to Be Read podcast, and this is your host, Ani Alexander. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Right to Be Read podcast, the podcast that inspires and encourages writers. I'm your host, Danny Alexander, and I can't believe that I've said this for almost 100 times. Yes, exactly. Episode number 100 is very, very close, and I have prepared a very special surprise for all of you for the episode number 100. But meanwhile, we're still at number 98. And today I have yet another interview, but with a very special guest. Today, my guest is Tucker Max. And for those who don't know him, he is the author of I Hope They Serve in Hell, which has been number one New York Times bestseller for five years on the list and has over two million copies in print sold already. His second and third book are also New York Times bestsellers. Tucker has also been credited with being the originator and leader of a new literary genre, which is called fratire. And he is only the third writer to ever have three books on the New York Times nonfiction bestseller list at one time. And besides that, he was nominated to the Times Magazine 100 Most Influential List in 2009. So I'm really honored to have Tucker over and let's just dive into the interview. Hello, Tucker. Thank you very much for coming over to the show. I really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, I'm I'm really honored to have you over, and it's it's really kind of uh, amazing to have such a successful writer on my podcast. So I was just going to start from the very beginning. I, I know that uh, you started sort of like many, many of us by sending your stories to literary agents and publishers and newspapers and all of them kind of at some point rejected your stories. So later on, you had this amazing success. And let's talk about what happened in between those. Uh, I mean, <laughs> a lot happened, right? Uh, so, so basically, um, all right. So the, the short version of the story is I sent 
2001, I think it was, I sent my stories to uh, every agent and publisher I could find an address for because this was before a lot of them even had email addresses, although some did. And I, I obviously I queried them by email too. And I got 100% rejected. Like, and when I say 100%, I mean literally every single one. They either ignored me or they uh, sent a rejection letter. And so at that point, I wasn't sure what to do. Uh, so the only option I had left was uh, to sort of not really self-publish because self-publish didn't even exist at the time. So what I, I, what I did was I put all my stories up on a website uh, and – uh, that like I had to, this is back in 2001. This is back when GeoCities was still a thing. This is before uh-huh. Twitter or <laughs> Facebook or MySpace or any of that stuff. So I had to actually learn HTML to program my own site, and I had to, uh, and it looked like you know this very basic site because it was. And I put my stories up, and people loved them and read them and emailed them to their friends, and it kind of all blew up. Uh, and then from there, uh, I got um, all those same publishers who had rejected me before emailed me and were like, "Hey, we'd love to, uh, you know, we'd love to publish your book now." And I'm like, "Oh, that's great. Where were you, you know, six months ago?" Uh, yeah. And then then once, you know, once it got published, then it's sort of like a whole separate story. The first time of how it kind of got big and stuff. But basically, honestly, the reason my book. My book hit the bestseller list right when it came out and it was only because I had already had a website that had been up for like three years and I had a bunch of readers who really wanted to read my stuff. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So before you actually launched your website and during the period you were getting one after another all those rejections, did you at some point think at all that maybe the writing is not good enough or maybe this is not for me? I mean, how did those rejections kind of impacted you or just the opposite? You decided that you're going to prove all them wrong. Yeah, you know, um, it's actually a really good question because that's a question I get from writers a lot too. How do I know if my stuff is any good, right? Mm-hmm. So here, here's the thing. There's one way to know if your writing is good and that's if people who don't know you and don't care about you uh, read it and then recommend it to their friends. That's how you know. Not your friends. I don't care what your friends say or your family say. They know you in person and so like, like they're, they're, they're biased one way or the other. It mm-hmm. doesn't mean they're automatically going to like your stuff. I've seen a lot of people who wrote amazing stuff and they didn't think it was any good because their wife thought it sucked. You know? yeah. And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 your wife is a terrible judge of, of writing. <laughs> this is actually really good. Um, or people that think that their writing is amazing because five friends who won't tell them the truth or don't know what they're talking about think it's good. Those are terrible. Uh, terrible judge of quality writing. The, I knew my stuff was good because here's how. I had sent it in emails to my friends and my friends had forwarded it to their friends and then uh, I ended up getting my own stuff forwarded back to me from people I didn't know in uh-huh. other social circles. You know? Uh, yeah. So like when people are forwarding your stuff to their friends because they liked it so much and it helped them so much, then you know you've got something on your hands. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So it means that, you know, it's very crucial to kind of get those guts together and, you know, get the courage and actually put your writing out in the world to get the real feedback. Of course, of course. Yeah, you you need – and that's how you know if it's any good. Like in my mind, quality is not measured by 
how beautiful your sentence is, like that, who cares? The quality of your writing is measured by how many other people uh, take value from it, whether it's entertainment or uh, meaning or information. There's a lot of different ways to take value. Fiction obviously provides a much different value than nonfiction, right? Yeah. But all, all writing has to produce value to, for the reader. Uh, that's how it's good, if it produces value. Okay. That's it. I see. And if we go back to the very beginning, to the point when you just started writing, like how did it happen? I mean, did you always wanted to become a writer or it just happened somehow because of something? Or, you know, how did you end up actually sitting and, and writing your very first stories? No, it was uh, like... My, I started as a writer because uh, my friends, there was like eight, nine of us that always hung out together in law school. And after we graduated, we went to different cities to work. And so uh, instead of hanging out, we would send emails to each other. Uh, and, mm-hmm. and so you remember, this is before social networks or anything. So email was the only way to communicate. And so what we did was, like what I would do is I would like write stories about the ridiculous, funny things I did. And uh-huh. send them to, to my friends. And uh, so I, I wasn't even thinking about becoming a writer. I was only trying to entertain my friends. That was the only thing I cared about. Okay, so we can say that if social network existed back then, we might not have uh, Tucker Max as a writer. Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah maybe not, yeah. <laughs> okay, I see. What about your, uh, I mean... I've heard that uh, you kind of um, became the um, originator and leader of a completely new literary genre. So can you kind of tell us what that genre is about? I mean, how did you end up uh, writing something completely original and new, which hasn't been written in that manner before? Yeah, so uh, I, uh, I, I didn't make this name up the new york times did uh they uh they said that i i created uh, a new genre called fratire which is basically a combination of the word fraternity and satire which doesn't make any sense because i wasn't in a fraternity and i don't write satire <laughs> but that's just the way media is you know it is what it is so um there, at the time there was a bunch of guys writing kind of entertaining funny stuff about guys and, and so I was the most famous and the biggest so so they said I was in charge or I was the originator and I, I mean I don't know I I've always thought labels on literature and labels on genres were um I don't want to say wrong but I think they limit the way people think about stuff and see stuff I mean like I think my stuff is just entertaining you know mm-hmm. that's just You know, it, it is what it is. I don't. I've never felt like, oh, this school of writing or that school of writing. To me, that's just uh, that's just status signaling and obnoxious elitism. That I, I've never seen the need for that. You know, to be mm-hmm, honest. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, that brings me to to the next question. We we very often argue among like writers uh, about different writing courses and different. Th- 
places where people actually learn how to write. So, uh, like, you know, genre-specific elements and, you know, how to write, write a romance and, you know, what it should include and things like that. So I personally think that it kind of limits you and puts you in, in a specific, like, non-original um, place from the very beginning if you learn all those things in very details. So what is your approach to that? Do you think that one should actually go ahead and learn all those skills and details about how to actually write? Or, um, you know, there's another approach to this. Well, I mean, it, it just totally depends. I, I, I think it's hard to give one generic answer to that. Uh, you know, like if, if you want to write romance novels, then you really do need to understand how the romance genre works because it has rules. Like there's there are ways that, that the plot has to go. Generally speaking, there are ways <clears throat> that the plot has to go. And uh, if it doesn't go that way, no one's going to like your book as a romance novel, right? They might mm -hmm. like it. You, know, you can break all the rules of a romance novel and it's not called a romance novel. It's something else, you know? So like if you want to write in a certain genre, then yes, you do need to understand what the rules of that genre are. If you just want to write, then I've always felt like spending a bunch of time worrying about what someone else's rules are is a great way to avoid writing. You know, like mm -hmm. that's what people, that's what people do who don't actually want to write. They just want to, they want to feel like they're a writer without actually having to put anything out there, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's just another excuse they hide behind in order to kind of not put out. To, yeah. Anything. To avoid writing. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, I see. Well, what about your, I mean, you have a very kind of bold titles of your books. Like, right. you know, I hope they serve beer in hell, assholes finish first. It's kind of, you know, quiet, uh, bold and brave to put out titles like that because, uh, you know, it, it might uh, scare off certain groups of people. Did you do it on purpose? Uh yeah so he, he, here's the thing uh yes sort of um uh you need to know whatever you <clears throat> whenever you're creating a sort of a brand or whatever you need to really understand what it is and then make sure you're consistent with that right and so my stuff is very my writing is very polarizing and it's very uh it it, it creates an opinion people either love it or hate it and so The worst thing you can do with something that's polarizing is try and uh, please everybody because mm -hmm. then no one will be happy, you know? Uh, so the best thing you can do in that situation is just uh, own it, you know? Like it's sort of like if you, if you write romance novels, don't try and pretend like these are, uh, you know, kids' books, right? Because that will just confuse your audience. Mm -hmm. Own the fact that you're writing romance novels and and sort of uh like dive into it and the same thing is true i think with anything if you're if your if your stuff is about uh helping other people and whatever then don't try and be controversial you know like be very giving and very much about helping others it really uh, it, i i took the the sort of strategy that was consistent with my brand Uh, because there's no such thing as a strategy that works all the time. There's mm -hmm. only there's only what makes sense given what your goals are and what your resources you have and, and what you're doing. You know, like different strategies work right with different people. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I see. And uh, you're talking about your brand. Did you already have uh, your brand in mind, in place in the very beginning or your writing style and your readership kind of um, established your brand? No, it's a, they're not different. So I, 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 I'm not using brand in the stupid business sense. I'm using it just as a catch-all term to mean like what, <clears throat> what are the things um, – what are the things uh, that – what are the ideas and principles and images and symbols that represent me, you know? Mm-hmm. Like how do I approach the world and how does, uh, how does my writing – what view on the world, what perspective does my writing take? I mean it in the broadest sense, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I see what you mean. So, um, I mean, uh, writers' kind of dream is to to have many readers and to kind of to sell many book sell many books to spread the message, uh, which is important to the writer around. And um, how does it feel? I mean, when you already get there and when you sell more than two million books, what exactly do you feel? Do you? I mean, does it make any difference whether it's 10,000 or 100,000 or 2 million? Uh, yeah, I mean, it makes a lot of difference. Uh, like, uh, you make a lot more money if you sell 2 million <laughs> than if you sell 200,000, you know? Um, it, uh, but I, I get the point of your question. Um, it, I'll, I'll, let, me, let me phrase it. Let me put my answer this way. If you're, th- if you're uh, an author and you think that selling a lot of books will... Um, change your life uh, and make everything solve all your problems and make everything better and just like complete you as a person it won't you're gonna you're gonna realize what's gonna happen is you're gonna sell two million books and you're still gonna be uh, you might be rich now which is really nice it is nice to have money I'm not gonna act like it's not uh, but um, it doesn't solve your personal problems it doesn't make you feel uh, it, you know, it doesn't take loneliness away if that's your problem. It doesn't make you a nice person if you're an asshole. It doesn't. It doesn't really mm-hmm. fundamentally change anything. All money does is make you a bigger version of whatever you were before. You know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I see. So since you we touched the topic of the money, was the money issue? I mean, was the money in your vision in your formula, or it just came as a top bonus? I mean, wh- were you kind of you know? Uh, striving to to sell more books and make money or it was just it wasn't the driving force of what well, you were doing I, I was trying to write things that people loved reading you know so like uh because i cared uh, i cared about making people laugh and if i did that right then i was going to make a lot of money you know but if if i just cared about making money then i probably wouldn't have been able to focus so much on making people laugh and i wouldn't have made much money you know mm-hmm, mm-hmm, i see but uh, actually, once you kind of made it, you already had several books, you already sold millions of copies, you had a big army of fans around and you kind of, you know, you reached the point where many people are, are trying to get to. Uh, did you have the same motivation and the same drive and <sighs> did you no. keep on writing the same way? No, I, I like it's a good question. No, uh, it... There's, uh, I think it was actually Mario, Mario Puzo who wrote The Godfather who has this great quote that there, he said there's a half-life on books, on book ideas, meaning that like 
uh, there are certain periods in your life when you can write certain books, and if you don't write them, then that period, then that book is gone. And uh-huh. you know, and, and a new book might come in its place, but like, I could only write books about being young and drunk and stupid in my twenties when I was young and drunk and stupid in my twenties. You know, yeah. I turned I turned forty this year. I'm married. I have a son. Like, I could never write those books again. They're just gone. They're 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 out of me. And so, like, um, I. I I captured a moment in my life, and it was funny. And uh, but I, I ugh, like the idea of of going out drinking four or five nights a week now is like, ugh, it, like it sounds awful. Like I would never want to do that. Like uh, I, I'm glad I did it. I had a great time, and I'm glad I wrote it all down because it was very entertaining for a lot of people. But it's like that that time's gone, and and the motivation to write that type of stuff is gone too. You know. Okay, but I guess uh, you know, as you said, something else will be repra- replacing those. Of course, maybe not completely in line with your brand. <laughs> well, no, I mean the the, the so a, a brand is not who you are. You know, like like uh, I retired from writing frat tire books in two thousand and eleven or two thousand twelve. Uh, I finished. I, I'm done with them. Like I put my last one out three four years ago. And that was it. And that was really like I'd, I'd kind of stopped acting like that even a few years before that. Uh, and that was pretty much the end of it, you know. Um, so like I don't, I don't have any more of those stories to write. I don't even think about that in that way. Like I've moved on to other projects and other things and other parts of my life, you know. When I, when I was single and partying a lot, I, I did it and I had fun. But I, I don't do it anymore and I don't, I don't have anything else to say about it, you know. I said everything I have to say. But can we expect that you will be saying about something else in the future? Oh, of course. Like I have, uh, I have two books coming out this year that are obviously totally different, uh, totally different subjects. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's very interesting how your um, readers of the first books would react to that. I yeah, guess. I mean, it, well, I don't expect my audience to be exactly the same. To be honest, like uh-huh. I think I think it's going to be different in a lot of ways. And that's just the way it works, you know. I yeah. mean, like you just have different, uh, you just have different audiences for things, you know. Yeah. Although maybe all those people who were twenty and reading your books are forty-two right now, so maybe they might also have grown up with you and need another type of books. Yeah. Some. <laughs> some of them. Yeah. Uh huh. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You mentioned that you're um, doing. Other projects, uh, uh, other projects. So um, I know about one of those, and it's called Book in a Box. Um, right. Can you tell my listeners what it is about? Right. So I actually discovered this on, on by accident, and I ended up turning this thing into a company. This is really what I do full time now. Is uh, basically this woman I met at an entrepreneurs dinner. She's really smart and really successful. She's got this amazing company uh, that does these amazing things. And she asked me, um, she came up to me at this event and she said, hey, I don't have time to write a book. And I don't really, like the whole publishing process seems confusing and really just uh, troublesome or burdensome. I don't want to have to learn it. Is there any way you can help me get a book, you know, like write a book without having to write it? And, I, you know, I like laughed at her. I'm like, of course <laughs> not. That's not possible. And, uh, and basically she kind of called me out. She's like, are you going to help me solve my problem or not? So I, I went home and I really thought about, all right, how do we do this? How do we, how do I turn her thoughts and ideas and knowledge and wisdom into a book without her having to write it? And so I came up with this process basically where, uh, I 
just talked to her and I outlined her ideas and then got someone to interview her sort of off this off of the outline and then they got all sort of her knowledge and wisdom out of her uh, and, and into a recording. We got that transcribed and then I had that edited into uh, a book. So it's still her words, her sentences, her thoughts, her phrases, uh, but she just didn't like write it. She uh, she it was sort of like translated essentially from from spoken word to written word, you know. Mm-hmm. And it, it took it didn't take very long at all, just a few weeks, and uh, she loved it. The book was really really good. It perfectly captured everything she thought and said in her voice. She felt like she write wrote it, even though obviously she didn't. And uh, you know, we did the rest of of the work, you know, book, book cover, all that lay, internal uh, layout, all that kind of stuff, and publish it for her. And um, she loved it, and it was like this amazing thing, and it ended up working out really well for her. She got tons of business for her company, and she's keynoting a bunch of conferences this year. And we realized that there were like a lot of people who had uh, demand for this service. We ended up turning it into a company. It's called Book in a Box now. We charge like fifteen thousand dollars, and we basically take someone who has a great idea for a book and we take all their knowledge and wisdom, get it out of their head and into the book in their words and it takes only about four months. It's really pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can imagine that many people can feel more comfortable just speaking rather than sitting and putting those words on uh, paper or you know typing them down. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. So uh, actually, um, you're you're uh, kind of writing the book for them based on 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 their interviews and based on their idea. You do everything that the publishing process requires, like formatting, editing, book cover, uh, etc., and uh-huh. the publishing everything. thing. Right. And so people people yeah. pay us fifteen grand, and they don't. They, all they have to do is spend twelve hours on the phone with us, and they get a pub- professionally published finished book. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, publishing the book is one part. Then you kind of have to sell that book later on. Do you also provide any marketing services on top of that or you just put it out as a professional published book? Yeah, uh, if people want marketing, that's it's a separate thing. You can buy uh, sort of marketing from us, but there's there's sort of no such thing as one way to market a book. Uh, there's yeah. lots of different ways to market books and it really... Uh, it depends on what your goal for the book is, the way that you should market it, right? So that's why um, uh, that's why the way that we uh, the way that we market books is pretty much it's almost a la carte. It just totally depends on what the person wants. Mm-hmm. Uh, we help them figure out what their goals are, and then off of that, we develop a marketing plan. And you know that can be anywhere from it can be as cheap as five grand to as much as fifty thousand dollars if someone really wants to build this huge sort of thing. It just depends. Mm-hmm, I see. So basically, we can say that we're living in, in times when anyone who wants to become an author, author actually can become one. Well, yeah, well, no, you have to actually have an idea. Like if you don't have anything to say, that's why this isn't ghostwriting. If you don't have anything to, to say, we can't uh, write the book for you. It has to be your ideas. Uh, that, that's what this process does. It turns your knowledge and wisdom into a book. It doesn't give you knowledge and wisdom. Mm-hmm. So like, uh, if, if you just want to have a book with your name on it and you don't care what's in it, then that's, then you have to go out and hire a ghostwriter and they cost anywhere from 50 to a hundred thousand uh, dollars. and that's a totally different service. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, it's always been the, the way that if you wanted to have your name on a book, you could do it. You could always hire a ghostwriter. What we're doing that's different is we're creating a process that's really fast and easy and simple and cheap for people to turn their knowledge and wisdom into books. Mm -hmm. I see. So what is that? Uh, I mean, besides, are your most of your clients are their nonfiction book, uh, authors? Yeah, right now it's all nonfiction. Uh, I think we're going to develop a process uh, for fiction. It's going to have to be software as a service, though, because it'll take much, much longer. Part of the reason we can char- we can be so cheap and charge fifteen thousand is because uh, uh, we don't uh, we we have freelancers that we work with, and we have a whole process, but we don't have to spend a lot of their time on this. But as uh, that'll obviously change with fiction, it will be a much longer sort of process, and so um, that that's coming. Right now, though, it's just nonfiction. Yeah. Okay, I see. So can we say that like, you know, um, people who approach you are basically the motivate, the main motivation is to make sure that they can end up with a book as a, which will be a result of their ideas. Uh-huh. And, and also uh, that book, I mean, uh, it, it nonfiction books usually add up to the cre- credibility and authority uh-huh. of the person who wrote it, right? Yeah, that, that's one reason to have a book. Yeah, there's a lot of different reasons. It can drive leads to a business. It can, it can, you know, it's something you can sell at speaking events. It's a, it's a lot of, uh, it's a lot of things. Yeah. Okay, so uh, in that case, if you're doing this full time, uh, what part of this whole process you enjoy most? Uh, it's a good question. Um, I mean, this is like this is our company now. We have. One, two, three, four. We have five full-time employees, and we're growing really fast. Uh, I think the thing that like I like the most is I think we're creating something brand new that's that's really beneficial to the world. It's sort of like uh, do you, you remember how hard it was to get good photos before the iPhone came into existence, and now it's like super easy to take amazing photos, mm. and like the world's seeing this explosion in photography that's like opened up all kinds of sort of. Uh, Uh, areas of value that didn't exist before and value chains that were gone or that, you know, that, that had, no one had ever thought about. I think our process, once we kind of turn it into software as a service and automate it, can do the same thing. We can, we can capture and share the knowledge and wisdom of the world in a way that's never been done before. You know, like Google does a perfect job or a great job of uh, capturing and sharing the information Mm-hmm. But not the knowledge. They're very different things. Yeah. Books are very unique in the way that they take information and turn it into knowledge. And I think uh, we're turning the process of creating a book, we're making it exponentially easier, which means we're going to see found fundamental foundational shifts in who writes books and, and the value of books. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine that this is going to change a lot in the future. <laughs> Okay, so um, we already know, I mean, and uh, I guess everyone who listens to this already knows that, you know, if if they have an idea and they don't have the time and, and they don't have the will to kind of to sit every single day and, and come up with a book as a result of the idea, and if they don't want to deal with all the publishing-related issues, uh, they just pay $15,000 and they get it done. Uh, so that part is fixed we already know it's um, bookinabox.com right right bookinabox.com so let's just address 
just briefly to, to kind of wrap it up, um, for those who don't have the fifteen thousand dollars to invest in in the thing, we, uh, we actually have a we have a book coming out in like uh, three or four weeks that explains our entire process, like step by step, exactly what we do, uses all of our templates and everything, um, and the book will be like four dollars. <laughs> so okay. if you can't afford four dollars, you shouldn't be writing a book. But okay. yeah, it, it'll walk everyone through everything. If you go to book in a box backslash book, I think you can get on the pre-order list. Um, or like, I'll be happy to email Kevin. And he, uh, he'll be happy to send you a PDF. You can give it out to your fans or something if you want. Give a few copies out. Uh, yeah, I mean, the, the the process I'm happy to share with the world. Yeah, we have to charge 15 grand for the service because you're buying time and expertise. But once we know what to do, we'll tell everyone how to do it. Okay, I see. Okay, and if we want to kind of to, to finalize everything, um, what uh, you wish you knew earlier about, you know, writing and publishing books? What is that one very important thing that every newbie writer is supposed to know? I mean, I think it actually ties back into what I said earlier, that um, the entire point of writing is to deliver value to the reader. Not to you first. First, it, you can get value as a writer, absolutely, by selling books or increasing your status or prestige or driving leads to your business or what, becoming famous, whatever you want, right? But the only way to get all the benefits of being a writer uh, is to write something that readers uh, want to read. And they'll want to read it because it's, it delivers value to them. So you need to really understand uh, why does anyone care about what I'm reading? Right. Mm -hmm. First, you have to get that right, and then everything else comes. You know. Yeah. Okay. I see. Well, thank you very much for coming over. Thanks so much for your time. Uh, I think we kind of, you know, we covered a lot, and uh, it was a big pleasure to talk to you today. So, thank you very much. Thank you. Well, I guess that was it for today. Thank you very much for listening to the show. I hope to meet you again with the next episode where we will have yet another short solo piece. Take care, keep writing. I'll try to do the same today and have a nice week. Hey, authors. Wish you could just write books and forget about all this marketing and coordinating with freelancers and formatting and proofreading and stuff? You're not alone. It's every artist's dream to just be able to create art while turning over the whole business and marketing side to someone who really loves and is really great at doing just that. If you're ready to start treating your writing like a business and get an experienced publishing and marketing team behind your words, pay a visit to Archangel Inc. Archangel Inc. does absolutely everything needed to take a manuscript and turn it into a finished product ready to sell in all markets and multiple formats from cover design to audiobook and everything in between. And as an Archangel Inc. client, you'll be able to promote your book through Buck Books, the world's fastest growing book promotion website at no extra charge. To find out more, go to www.archangelinc.com. That's Archangel Inc. I-N-K dot com. <laughs>